Hey friends, you're listening to Project Me, the podcast. I'm your host, Destiny O'Rourke, college and career coach for Bowling Green High School, where I strive to provide firsthand college and career experiences for you, my students, so that you can be better informed of your post-secondary options and ultimately live a high quality of life. You guys, we are joined today by Hillary Hightower, who is the city attorney for the city of Bowling Green. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. We are so glad that you're here. So we're going to just jump right on in there. And I want to ask you, um, can you start by telling us a little bit about what you do and describe your daily tasks? Yes, I represent the city on all internal legal matters. So for example, I draft, review, um, approve contracts for all of the departments. I answer and do legal research for the Board of Commissioners, our elected officials here in the city. I um, assist with any personnel matters and city employees when we have all part-time and seasonal, a little bit over 700 employees. And when we're not having seasonal, it's a little bit over 500 employees. So so a lot of personnel matters, a lot of um, employees here. I draft municipal orders and ordinances for um, our city commission meetings that are on our agenda and review the agenda. Um, I help any changes that need to be made to our current ordinances, which are regulations that the city passes um, regarding all sorts of different conduct in the city. And I answer legal questions for really all of the departments, which um, here in the city, we have a public works department, a um, neighborhood and community services, finance, um, an IT department, a parks department. Of course, we have the fire department and the police department. So, um, and human resources. So we stay really busy. They, between all of those departments, there are a lot of questions and, and I feel their questions all day. How did you decide to get into this field? Well, I decided at a young age, I'm, I'm not sure why, but I decided at a young age, I wanted to go to law school. So that was kind of my plan, um, even probably elementary school on. Um, and I, I really don't know what propelled me to be a lawyer. My dad says I was always very argumentative. That may be why. <laughs> As a toddler, I think I probably thought I knew everything. So he may have encouraged that. Um, my first job out of law school was for Satterfield and Harmon, and they were a firm. At the time, the city attorney was not in-house. They didn't have a full-time city attorney. They contracted with the firm Satterfield and Harmon. So my first job out of law school, part of my work was contracting contract work for the city of Bowling Green, and I found that very interesting. I really enjoyed it. Um, so I did that for several years, and then I was a felony prosecutor for 17 years here at the Commonwealth Attorney's Office. And then this job opened up as an in-house attorney. And so I came here and applied. I thought it'd be a great, um, a great, I guess, finishing job for me, retirement job for me. And it's been great. It's, it's um, kind of back to where I started and, and I've really enjoyed it. What kind of education or training did you have for this field? And what do you do to continue your learning? Well, I'm proud to say I am a graduate of Bowling Green High School. I graduated in 1988. Um, I went from there to UK, got my bachelor's degree in political science. Um, that was one of the majors they recommended for people who want to be lawyers, but you can also do business. I had a minor in economics. 
Um, you can also do English. There, there really, you can go to law school with any major, but I did political science and, and a minor in econ. Um, from UK, I went to law school at University of Louisville. And as I said, I came back here and worked for Satterfield and Harmon. Um, during the summers in law school, you clerk for different firms. So I clerked here for a couple of different firms. And then now I do what's called continuing legal education. We're required to have so many hours similar to nurses, doctors, um, teachers, so many hours of education every year. And then in addition to that, so many hours of ethics. Um, and then I've had a ton of continuing le legal education and seminars in the last probably nine months just changing from prosecuting criminal cases to being a city attorney. It's totally different type of work. So, so I just am attending as many classes as I can about municipal law. So there's always learning. It sounds like there is always learning in the legal field. Um, for one thing, I, I think you could just never know everything there is to know in law school. You think you can, cause you have to read so much. You think surely I've read it all, but there's just more and more and more. If you don't like to read, law school is not for you, um, but there is. You just continue to learn, and then the law is always changing. The Supreme Court comes out with different rulings. Um, different courts have different case law. The legislature changed the law, changes laws, and that affects, um, you know, the different things that lawyers have to know. So there's, it's always changing, um, and, and it's, it's, that's one of the benefits of the job is that it is, um, there's always something new, always something to learn, always interesting. What do you love about your career? Um, I do really like just the, the changes, the newness, um, the fact that I can't always learn new things. Um, meeting people, you know, in the legal field, you always meet people, you meet clients, um, you meet judges, you meet lawyers, you meet, um, in this job, I've met citizens, I've met department heads, um, people, you know, board members, people that you would never maybe otherwise come into contact with. So it's just, it's just a really good way to meet people. Um, I'm a social person, so, but you can also be a lawyer and not. You can be a lawyer who writes, or you can be a lawyer who does research and, and kind of stay, you know, more in your own area. But for me, um, I would say it's the fact that the law is always changing and you can watch that progression and then also meeting people. What are some challenges you face in your career and what are some challenges faced by your industry? Um, in my career, I would say, you know, as much as I like that the law is always changing, that is a challenge because you may think it's one way and it, cha it changes and then it's a challenge for you to figure out, oh, wait a minute, this isn't the law anymore. We need to change this. Um, as a city attorney, you know, we may need to change an ordinance based upon something a court rules or a legislature does. Um, it's busy. You know, legal work is, is very busy. Um, so from that standpoint, you know, it's, it's, it's hard work, I think, um, office work, but hard work, um, challenges for the city, you know, it, is, it's just such a big, it's like a mini city of its own. It's, it has so many employees and so many departments and so much, um, it's very expensive to run a city. So revenue is a big challenge, um, road improvements. If you go out on a road and hit a pothole, that's, you know, if it's a city road, that's our responsibility. Parks, um, keeping them clean, keeping them safe, having enough parks to serve the community. Health and safety, fire and police are, are a big challenge for the city. It's very expensive to keep enough fire and police to um, keep our, our city safe. 
housing and homelessness is a challenge for every city. Um, and then for me, the challenge is just helping all of those different departments, our board of commissioners and our city manager overcome those challenges and figure out solutions and, and ways that we can address those challenges in a legal matter. It sounds like there's a lot of teamwork that has to happen when you're trying to take care of running a city. There, there's a lot of teamwork and, and a lot of people involved. And, and unless you're working for the city, you really don't realize how much goes into running the city of Bowling Green. You just think about your little street and your school and your house. And when you get here, it's there, a lot goes on behind the scenes that people don't know about. What skills does someone need in order to be successful in your career? Well, I would say it depends on the type of law you want to practice. For example, um, you know, there are lawyers that focus on accounting, so you would need to also be good at math or business. Um, there are lawyers to want to litigate. They want to be that courtroom lawyer that you see on TV. Um, so you got to, you got to be able to have those good speaking skills and, and project yourself and, and your, um, whatever it is that you're advocating for. Um, there are lawyers who want to do just research and writing. So you would have to have really good writing skills. Um, all lawyers need to be able to research because to answer legal questions, you have to be able to do that. And I think all lawyers need good communication skills, not necessarily because you have to be in a courtroom because you don't, but you have to be able to communicate with your client and make sure you know what they want and that you're able to accomplish what they want and in the end, goal that they are paying you to achieve. So I think that's an important skill. Gosh, I think it's so great to hear you talk about how there's multiple ways to be a lawyer, you know, because I think that people get it in their mind that it has to be one way, or maybe there's a particular thing that they are drawn to. And so they only know about that one particular part, but it sounds like the field of law is so incredibly diverse in the types of work that you do. It, it definitely is. And when I went to law school, I, even in law school, I did not think that I would be a prosecutor or a city attorney, a municipal lawyer. Neither of those occurred to me. But you get out and, and you find something that interests you and, and that's where you end up. A lot of people go to law school and don't actually practice law. Um, they may be business, you know, more business focused, accountants, um, finance people, investors, but also having that law degree helps them interpret regulations or things that they need. Um, people that do corporate work, um, a lot of them go to law school and, and it's helpful to their career. So there are all kinds of different law you can practice. You can just hang a shingle and, and help all your family and your friends and do things like wills and estates and, and traffic tickets and, you know, smaller things, or you can go into a big firm and, and do business law. You can do, there are if you Google it, there are a number of different types of laws and of law that you could practice. And, and um, I, really there's every kind of interest out there. It's, it's just putting in the commitment to go to law school. It's a, it's a long, it's a seven year process. So that's really the hard part about it. But the, there is something for everybody out there if you want to go to law school. Okay, so I'm curious, how in the world do you balance your career and your life? Well, we talked about that right before we started that. It's a lot. Um, I have three boys, um, their sports, um, my job, my husband works full time. And then, you know, we have our own interests and, and 
we just manage to get it done. We multitask, we try to stay organized, we try to make the kids be responsible for their portion of um, what needs to get done, help us around the house, which they don't always do. <laughs> um, but but with schoolwork, you know, they're responsible for their schoolwork, they're responsible for helping with the dog, and and we just, we manage, we multitask, we, we you know, I guess we toss the ball, it's your turn to do this, I'll go here, you go here, and and you can, there are ways to get it all done. You have to, you have to move fast and be motivated and, and stay organized, but there are ways to get it all done. So this next question, you know, some of my students, um, they feel like everything's got to be perfect all the time, or uh, maybe there's like a little bit of a fear of failure and that kind of thing. So I love to ask each guest, how do you overcome self-doubt? I think there are a couple of ways. One, I would say learn as much as you can learn. If there's a particular issue that you have doubt in yourself about, something in school, if it's math, you know, get a tutor, spend more time on that subject. If it's reading, try to read more, try to find ways to improve the skill that you are least comfortable with. Um, people say if you're afraid of heights, you know, you need to go to the top of a building and, and make yourself get through that. I think it's the same way with school and life. The thing that you're most afraid of, you have to just sort of find a way to tackle aggressively. Um, the other thing I think that they need to know is that even people who seem like they know everything or have it all together don't. I mean, there are days where I do not have the answers and, and I just have to tell people when people ask me a legal question, I'm going to have to do some research and get back to you. So it's okay to not know the answer. Nobody knows every answer. And, and sometimes you have to take your time to find the answer. And sometimes that's the best thing for you is to learn. Okay. I need to learn to tell people I'm not sure, but let me find out and I'll get back to you. Let me do some research. And, and the answers are out there or, know who to go to, know who to ask, whether it's for them to come to you and say, I'm having trouble with this particular issue, can you help me? If you know the right person to go to, it doesn't necessarily matter if you know how to do it or how to approach it, but if you have the person help you, then you can get through it. I'm so happy to hear you say that. I talk to my students all the time about being a good self-advocate and being able to articulate what it is that you need and then being proactive and finding the person who can help you get there. Networking and that kind of thing is so important. So thank you for sharing that. That was great. You're welcome. What do you wish you had known about your career and or life in general when you were in high school? Well, I didn't know how fast it would go. Life in general, I didn't know I would graduate in 1988 and now you'd be interviewing me here and it feels like it was two weeks ago and it's, I don't know how, 26 years, 20, a lot of time has passed. So it, it goes really fast. Um, I think maybe the things that you think are so huge in high school aren't. You know, you have to realize that when you are an adult, some of the things, you know, social pressure, some of the friends, some of the things that you thought were the end of the world in high school really weren't, and they're good learning experiences. But when you get into, you know, an adult and you have a job and you have children, you realize those things are just not the end all be all. And, and it was part of your growing up process. Um, as far as my field, I think, um, I wish I had known that it's a full-time job there, are, you know, for example, pharmacy, 
you can do that PRN, you can do that as needed and, and make a good living. The legal firm is still very traditional and it's full time. It's, it's not really an area where I think probably that will change, you know, but still from the time I got out of law school in 95, it is not. Um, I think too, maybe that kids need to know that everybody fails and that again, that's part of the growing process. It's okay to fail. I'm not saying it's okay to get F's in all your classes, but it's okay to have failures and to learn from them and work hard and overcome them and, and that that's part of, of growing up as well. What is the sincere hope you have for high school students in our community? I would say I hope that they have what they need, the tools that they need to be productive, happy, and successful adults, no matter what they choose to do, that they have what they need to get there. And if they don't, that they know who to ask to help them get it. That's, that's what I think is most important. That is so beautifully said, because I think every student has the capacity to be the best versions of themselves with the tools, you know, that if those tools are available. Um, and so being able to ask for those cool tools and reach out and know who to connect to, you know, and we're very fortunate in our community to have people who are willing to share and to open up and to give students opportunities. And so I'm just really looking forward to building uh, those relationships and hopefully, yeah, give the kids the tools they need. So this has been such a helpful conversation. Um, I just wanted to ask you, I have a lightning round of five questions that I love to ask if you're open to that. Sure. Okay. The first question you've already answered, but we're going to just dive right in with that one. So question number one, what high school did you go to and what was its mascot? Yes, I went to Bowling Green High School and I'm a purple always. Go purple. Question number two, what was your first ever job? Oh my gosh, my first ever job, I think was at Wendy's. That's the first job I remember. Now, whether I did other little jobs like filing or helping, but my first job that I remember was, well, I babysat. You could count that. I, I did babysit as a very, I mean, I babysat all through junior high, but my first job where I wasn't paid in cash or check actually got a paycheck and went to the, you know, had to pay taxes and was at Wendy's. I think I was 14 and my mom had to take me and pick me up. Okay, question number three. When you got your first big kid job, how do you remember spending your first paycheck? Oh my gosh, my first big kid job, I would have to say was, well, I guess you could, I think of my first big kid job as while I was in law school and clerking in the summer because that was the biggest paycheck I had ever gotten. And I bought clothes because it was a job where I had to, um, had to look nice. And so my first paycheck, I bought clothes. My first lawyer job, you know, I, we had gotten married and been on a honeymoon. And so I was probably paying that off, <laughs> I would say. Question number four, what is the most random or offbeat class training experience or job that you've had or heard of? Random offbeat class training or job experience. Hmm. That I've heard of. Gosh, that's a hard one. 
I'll give you an example. Someone said that um, the college they went to had a vet school. And so one of the elective classes they called a puppy petting class, but it was just like a getting to know animals and that kind of thing. <laughs> so just kind of offbeat like that. Oh my gosh. Okay. This, this is a hard one for me. I don't, I don't know. I'm trying to think of one at, because I heard of one from UK recently that I thought was really strange, but I can't remember now what it is. When I was there, they were, they didn't have any of these, you know, unique types of classes. Um, I don't know. I'm going to have to, I can't think of one right now. That's all I mean, right. I've heard of like goat yoga, which I think is really strange and funny, but that's not really a class. I mean, it's a, an exercise class. So maybe yeah. we'll say that. that I was, haven't done it, but I want to. I think it's very funny sounding. Sign me up. We'll go together. <laughs> I think so. Okay. Question number five. Last question. What educator made the most significant impact on your life and how are you paying it forward? Oh, gosh. Um, I would have to say, um, I had a couple. There was one in second grade named Mrs. Nunn. She was at St. Joe. She was the only person it, there that was not a nun. And I just loved her. She was, um, she was just a wonderful teacher and the nuns at St. Joe tended to be typically mean, and she was just very sweet and kind of showed us how to be nice to other children. And so I loved her. And then um, there was Mrs. Pro was my fourth grade teacher at McNeil, and I loved her. She was a wonderful math teacher. I had a lot of trouble. I'm not great at math. That was not my um, best class. And so she was really good with me with long division, um, really good. And then in high school, you know, I had several really good, um, I'm trying to remember my favorite high school teacher and it's, um, you know who it is, it's, um, it, he taught science, it's Trina's dad, Stivers. He was my favorite. Uh, Mr. Stivers was my favorite. That was also math and I, it, I was not good at it. And he was very helpful to me there. And just, I still see him, still love him, thank the world of him. He was a great teacher. How I pay it forward, hopefully things like this, um, you know, anything I can do. I've come to classes and spoken, you know, before COVID and anything I can do to help students now um, realize that those of us that seem like everything is just perfect out in the world with our careers. We, we went through the exact same struggles that they did. And um, so hopefully I pay it forward that way and pushing my kids to do well in school and to hopefully encourage their friends to do well in school. That is awesome. Gosh, I cannot thank you enough for this conversation. And um, I wanted to also mention students that, you know, we will have show notes with all kinds of connection information in there. So um, definitely check those out. But I appreciate your time and wisdom today. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the show. Don't forget to check out the show notes where you can read a bio and perhaps see a picture of today's guest. 
This podcast is designed to connect. So if you're looking to interview our guest on your own or see if they offer job shadowing opportunities, you'll find that information in the show notes as well. Don't ever be shy about connecting friends. Remember, you are building your future. We're just here to help.